Welcome to the Details of Life, ladies and gentlemen, where you will hear from some of the most interesting and best minds in sports. I am your host, Marcus Wilson, and thank you once again for coming back. This will be the last episode of what we all know is a tumultuous year, 2020. Looking forward to ending it with a bang and going into the year 2021. Before we get started with today's guest, want to give you a little recap of this week in sports. With that being said, let's get it. Starting with the NFL, I'm from Indiana, so I always used to say Peyton Manning was the greatest quarterback of all time. Of course, I'm being biased. I know there's Joe Montana. I know there's other people out there. At this point, Tom Brady has this wrapped up, guys. I mean, I just can't say anything more about this guy. He became the first player to make 12 playoffs in a row. We all know what he did with the Patriots. Now going in with the Buccaneers, man, the man's a stud. The Browns. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Cleveland Browns. They lost to the Jets. What the heck is going on? Baker Mayfield. You know, the thing about Baker is he's good when he's good. But when he's bad, good Lord, he's bad. I mean, three fumbles when you can clinch the playoffs. That is inexcusable. People are upset with the Jets for winning. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't have it both ways because people say, hey, these guys are sitting out. What's this thing about load management? Back in the day, Jordan missed games. Jim Brown didn't miss games. Boom, 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 boom. And now because you want the number one draft pick, you want these guys who are being paid millions and millions of dollars to lose on purpose? I could never condone that as a player. If my coach told me to lose, it's time for me to get up out of that program. I respect the Jets players for continuing to fight, even though you did lose out on the first draft pick, which will go to the Jaguars. I respect their ability to keep fighting. The playoffs are looking pretty good, though, guys. Chiefs, a lot of people say are the favorites. They were destroying people last year. I believe their last six games has been decided by six points or less. So the rest of the NFL is picking up. The Chiefs are not a lock. I think between the Chiefs, Bills, Packers, and Seahawks, in my opinion, those are the four best teams in football. We will see. Moving on to the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets look good. I mean, although they did just lose the other day and Kevin Durant got dunked on, they look great. Golden State Warriors, on the other hand, not so good. I can't believe how bad Kelly Oubre and, and, and Andrew Wiggins are shooting the ball right now. I mean, you would think when guys are getting paid that much money a year that they can make some open shots. It's just not happening. Looking like it's going to be a long year for the Golden State Warriors. The Lakers look great. They won last year and improved their roster. Looking like a repeat to me unless somebody puts it all together. The Bucks. I'm a little worried about them. They lost. Not that they lost. They lost by 20 points to the Knicks. You know what? They just gave Giannis that big extension, got some pieces in place. They failed the last couple of years in the playoffs. They better pick it up. Last thing I do want to say about the NBA in general is this. I've brought up how much money these guys make. I'm not hating. You know what? This is their value. People say they get overpaid. No, they're not. No, they're not. If, if the CEO is paying you that much money, trust me, he's not sacrificing his own money to make these guys make more money. Everyone's getting paid their value, right? What I do have a problem with is guys like just getting attitudes with the media. Kevin Durant giving one word answers to Charles Barkley. I know Charles Barkley has been hard on him. I know that he said some comments that isn't favorable or that Kevin Durant didn't like. It's part of the game. When you want to play on TV in front of millions to make millions, there's people that's going to criticize, guys. Kevin Durant, you got to get out your feelings, buddy. Man, I mean, like, I think you're the best player in the world. But come on, man, like just quit being so sensitive about those things. Kyrie got a little upset, called the media pawns. Do, do you guys know how much the media increases your value? Even when they're talking bad about you, it keeps your name in the media. It makes some people 
dislike you and, and watch the game to see if you lose. It makes some people like you more, go buy your jersey, which gets ratings up when they watch you more so you can make more money. You guys should realize that the media is your friend. Unless they're saying something just lies about you or your family or your kids, got to get over it. We, we've seen a couple guys with uh, Dwayne Haskins getting in trouble, being at a strip club, James Harden. They said he was at a strip club. He said, no, I wasn't. I was at home. Guys, it, whether you're at the strip club or if you bring strippers to your location, it's still a strip club. If I bring 10 strippers to my basement and they're dancing, you know what that is? That's a strip club in my basement, guys. Just because they say you can't go to the place doesn't mean that you can bring the place to you. That defeats the point. Come on, man. We got to do better. Let's get let's keep ourselves safe and, and focus on the ball. College basketball, Gonzaga is for real. I mean, they're beating top 20 teams and they're beating them convincingly. Just destroyed Virginia. Put up, what, 98 points on them? People don't put up 98 points on Virginia. This team is loaded. They are, no doubt, my favorite to win the championship this year. Illinois basketball, man, Io is the real deal. Kentucky basketball, you know, these are people that I follow because I'm right here in the Midwest. If you're out there watching the West Coast, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about Stanford as much, but Kentucky being one and six is a big deal, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Just lost to Louisville. Cal's going to have to start pulling some strings. I know they had the issue with Cam Fletcher. Now they're saying he's coming back, trying to get it back rolling. Better do it soon because this isn't looking good, guys. Conference basketball is starting, so this is what I'm looking forward to. You'll see me on air. My next game is January 2nd for anyone that wants to tune in. It'll be on NBC Sports, not ESPN Plus this time. But with that said, I'm looking forward to calling conference basketball games. And what I will say, guys, is everyone's talking about how do you win the conference. I was just in this conversation with some guys the other day talking about you got to win all your home games and then go 50-50 on the road, and that's how you win the conference. I just don't think that home court advantage, matter of fact, I know home court advantage is not what it was before when I called games and when you guys watch games or attended games, you saw the energy in the building. You saw when the crowd got into it, how it influenced refs from making a bad call or when, when someone on your team filed, they let that file go because they were afraid of the fans and the coach going off on them. You don't have that anymore. All that energy when guys get dunks in the transition game, you don't have the crowd hyping them up. You don't have the camera crazy. You don't have 10,000 people rooting you on. Therefore home court advantage is not what it used to be. Conference play, look for tight conference races, as it always is, but even tighter because teams are going to lose at home that normally don't lose at home. They're going to get some road wins. You're going to get wins in ways that you normally didn't. It's up to you to bring your energy that night. Looking forward to seeing what can happen. And and again, what I've said in, in many prior episodes, teams cannot shoot the ball. Man, you can tell these kids can dribble. Good Lord. They can dribble around cones. They can go behind their back. They can look good. Got on headbands. Got their shorts rolled up so they're showing more leg. I don't know what this is all about. What I do know is that guys are wide open, shooting air balls, shooting 25% from three. And guys, there's no excuse for it. You got the shooting gun. You can go in the gym, shoot 500 shots a day. I can tell you what it is. Being a former shooter, and I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but when you go shoot 500 shots a day, at 50% speed and you're knocking them down and everything feels good and you normally jump 18 inches, but you're practicing 500 shots, jumping eight inches off the ground, that 10 inches of difference is huge in the accuracy of your shot. Shooting from a release point of here versus 10 inches higher 
if you're not going to practice full speed, it's not going to translate to the game, guys. And we're seeing it. And I'm tired of seeing guys shooting horribly at the college level. We got to do better. Last thing is college football. I'm so excited about these bowl games because they got it right this year. The Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma versus Florida. We got the Chick-fil-A Bowl with Cincinnati versus Georgia. So Georgia's eight, Cincinnati's nine. And then we got the top four right, which I think we got the top four right. I'm sure Texas A&M feels they should have got in. What can I say? I don't know what to tell you. Notre Dame is number four, playing number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. I, I would really like to see Notre Dame get a win here. I think it would be good for college football. Whether they can do it or not, I'm not sure. But it's a great final four of traditional powerhouses on New Year's Day. Looking forward to it. Another big story that we got De'Eric King coming back to Miami. It's just, he's on the six-year plan. A lot of you guys out there went to college and you're on the six-year plan. Didn't really mean to. Meant to graduate in four, ended up going for six years. This guy has actually intended to stay for six years. Four years at Houston, transferred, took the grad year at Miami, and now because of the COVID waiver, has now decided to come back for another year. His sixth year in college football. If this kid doesn't break some records, I don't know how you're going to do it. Speaking of six with Derek King for six years, I think it's time to expand the college football playoffs to six. I know some people say eight, some people say 16. I'd go for that. At the minimum, you can stretch it out one more week if you take it to six teams. Teams one and two have a bye. You allow three to play six, five to play four. What that does is it allows for all power five conferences for their champion to be in. Now, if you get a, a champion out of, the, out of the Pac-12 that is not very good this year and the top two teams out of the SEC are better, I, I get it. But at least it gives all power five teams an opportunity to get in. And I think out of the top six, you should have one of the smaller conferences get in. So that Cincinnati, that Coastal Carolina, the teams like that, that BYU, throw them in the mix. I think that it would bring great just excitement to college football. Consider it, guys. I'm not the one making decisions, but hopefully the ones that are are listening to what I'm saying. I say, yeah, we can take it out one more week, make one more week of extra money. Who doesn't want to make extra money and see college football, especially some of these smaller teams that give them an opportunity to win a national championship? That is it for my weekend review, ladies and gentlemen. Now, coming up next, we have our guest for the evening, Nick Baumgart. Nick has been a friend of mine for years. Went to University of Evans. Well, before that, was a, a heck of a high school basketball player. As a junior, was a junior all-star in 1998. 1999 was first team all-state. Signed at University of Evansville. Went there, had some unfortunate injuries. And then what a lot of people don't know about, at age 23, went through a major health scare, beyond a health scare, went to cardiac arrest in front of the team he was coaching, a bunch of freshmen at North High School in Evansville. It was traumatic. He somehow fought through that, is now a writer, a scout. He has one of the best sites out there. I follow him. If you don't follow him yet, you need to go to Nick underscore Baumgart on Twitter or bombhoops.com. Always got great stuff out there. One of the best scouts in the state of Indiana. Great guy. Going to get to know more about his story. So without further ado, let's go ahead and catch up with Nick Baumgart. Nick Baumgart, how you doing? Marcus, thanks for having me, man. Man, I appreciate you making the time to come on. And as I already prefaced a little bit, a lot of people may or may not have known, but you were a hell of a basketball player in high school, signed at Evansville, had some injuries and a couple injury-filled years. But what was it like? Why did you decide to go to Evansville? And what was your experience like while you were there as a student athlete? 
Marcus Wilson, man. That's why I went to Evansville. <laughs> no, I mean, you played a part of it. You know, like I, I tell people all the time, you know, you were an OG in my life, but you were a couple years older than me. You know, I grew up in Evansville. The stadium was lit. I mean, I went to I went to Jim Cruz camps and and I wore Scott Hafner t-shirts and, and all that stuff like that. And, you know, it's when they came calling, it was it was kind of one of those things where it was like it was it was pretty quick. You know, I mean, I'd gotten back from the AAU circuit and, and Coach Cruz wanted to talk to me. And so we, we spent about six hours together on a Saturday. And so, you know, it was I loved Evansville since I was little. So it was um, it was an emotional decision, I think, probably more than anything. And then you had a couple of injuries. So how, how did that work, man? I mean, just for some of the kids that maybe get injuries or they're going into college and they're feeling invincible like we all do. And then all of a sudden you, you get injured. So what type of injuries did you face and how, how did that uh, influence your career there? <laughs> yeah. So um, two weeks before practice started my freshman year, so it was September 30th. Uh, you know, playing pickup in the back gym at Carson and, and I go down and two on one fast break jump stop we've done it together a million times right jump stop and pop acl so that was tough and and i think i would be remiss to not to mention that mentally i just not been in the right spot i think you know i had some anxiety issues some some different problem and i just i didn't come in in, in the right frame of mind i came in out of shape yeah. and you know what happens you, you you just might as well just go ahead and crawl in the doghouse Right, and uh, so you know, I think with me, I, I and I always thought I could just kind of play my way out of it. You know, even if I was being a freshman, it would be you know whatever. Um, at some point, you'd play your way out of it, and and so then the ACL happened. I missed my freshman year, uh, came back, tore my plantar fascia in an individual workout that spring. Uh, so I was out two months in a boot with that and then came back, uh, had a good summer. And then, you know, I thought things were kind of going well. And, and then my sophomore year happened, uh, tore my hand, pulled my hamstring right, right when practice started, came back from that, uh, had seven weeks of going pretty hard and, and I felt like I'd gotten need in the thigh, you know, and everybody that plays basketball has gotten need in the thigh and you just feel like, Oh, it's going to go away in a couple of days. I mean, if you play college basketball, you have to understand you are going to be sore. You're going to be hurt, right? right? Every single day of your yeah. life. It's just, you know. Coach Cruz used to say there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? Sure. And at this <laughs> like, point. You're going to be hurt a lot of days. Yeah. And at this point, they weren't. They, they, were, they, they were wrong. They were thinking that I was just hurt or right. hurt, right? Yeah. yeah. Think that you were just hurt, not knowing that you had a real injury, right? Yeah, I had an injury, you know. And so I went six weeks on a, on a stress fracture in my femur. And I got in my only game I ever got in at Eastern Illinois and uh, pass was behind me and running up the sideline. It was right in front of coach Cruz. Actually, he caught the ball and you know, he was, he, I got blamed for it. In fact, you know, college sports reference, they said I played one minute and they gave the turnover to me. And I mean, I know Stanton threw that pass, but you know, whatever, <laughs> but I got, you know, buried on the bench. And, and then the next day, then Jeff Tilly was our trainer at the time said, you know, let's go in and get this checked out and had a stress yep. fracture. So I was on my, I was on crutches for four months at that point. This was December. So yeah. I remember that I was, I had already graduated, but I just remember seeing all that, man. It's all, it, it sucks being injured people, especially there. Like a lot of people get injured and think that it's easy to kind of just sit out, but man, they, you still had to go through all the extra rehab and it just takes so, so much time of your six, day. 6am pool workouts. Yep. 
Man, in between class, man. I had to go jump on the, on the bike. You know, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, um, no, it was tough. It was tough. So even though that was tough after that, you, you leave after two years, go to IU for a little bit, finished up your degree at USI. And then, although that was a, a tough time of your life, what I wanted to let some of the people here know about was there was a time that was even tougher. Uh, you're 23 years old coaching over at North and, and one day you just pass out and go into cardiac arrest. And a lot of people don't know about that, which is one of the reasons I respect you so much of being able to get through that and fight through that and still be who you are today. So what happened, man? We, me and you have never really talked about it in detail. I remember someone giving me a call being like, man, did you hear about what happened to Nick? I'm like, what? He's only like 23 years old. What do you mean he went to cardiac arrest? So what happened, man? And how did that affect you? Well, you know, I mean, the basketball thing had not gone well. And then, you know, I was just kind of searching for, for my place in life. I mean, when basketball's who you are for every single day of your life, since you were little, it's, it's kind of rough. So, you know, at, at that time, um, I was working 75 hours a week at, at YCC Youth Care Center in Evansville, which is like a juvenile detention facility. And, you know, we were understaffed and, and there were just kids there from from all walks of life. And I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for kids and dogs. And, you know, I just tried to do more and more and more and more and more. And I found myself like literally sleeping there is, is what it seemed like. I was still taking 18 hours at USI. It was my last semester. It was all set to student teach, you know, um, coaching freshman basketball. I just, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating right, drinking a lot of caffeine, lots of Cokes, um, and just, it was just kind of a perfect storm, you know, 520 in the evening, you know, I mean, what, what a traumatic thing for freshmen in high school to have to go through. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt when you say a traumatic thing for freshmen in high school to go to, you were 23, but your team saw you pass out. This was your freshman basketball team. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going through layup drills, right? You know, the last thing we, we did kind of a conditioning layup kind of competitive thing that we were doing and I'm getting ready to dismiss them and get them out of there. I'm sitting on the top row of the bleacher and just, Fell backwards, I guess. I don't know. I was, I wasn't there. It was kind of like the Keontae Johnson thing that just happened to, to, to him. And so what happens is, is I got super lucky because I went five minutes and 15 seconds without oxygen or a heartbeat. And that's about seven minutes or so you start losing, you know, brain, some brain function. So got really lucky. I was coaching freshmen. Had I been coaching JV players, well, JV players drive, right? Freshmen don't drive, and so their parents have to come pick them up. And they got lucky in the practice. They're the parents. They're just sitting there, you know, waiting. And they rush in, start CPR on me, got me to the hospital. You know, 95% of people that go into cardiac arrest never make it to the hospital. So three days later, I wake wake up uh, strapped down to a bed, and there's just tubes everywhere. And my parents are there the entire three days, right? And they, they get up and go have lunch as I come out of this coma. And, and so I was, it took a little bit to understand like where I was and what was going right. on. And then, and you know, out of it, I got a defibrillator in my chest, which was a really, really, it's been a really hard thing for, you know, a young person to have to deal with. And it went off 11 times that first year. And so, you know, we've had some surgeries and some different things and got it all worked out. So things are good from that, that regard, but it's, it's, yeah, it's been a rocky road, man, but it's, it's what makes you, I don't <clears throat> I think a lot of things in life, probably if you looked at it, if people looked at their, their life, that they necessarily wouldn't do, do that again kind of thing. But, but that thing is, is what really has shaped us. Yeah. 
Before we kind of move on, there's a lot of people that go through some things and they, they're just never the same. They, they sometimes they go into depression or they just stay in that space and don't move forward. You've obviously moved forward into some other really good things, which we're about to get into. But for anyone that, especially at age 23, you know, you're not, you could have, you could have easily said, well, it's me, man. Why me at age 23? This is supposed to happen when you're 63, right? But instead you somehow come out of that great person. People like you, respect you, you're, you're knowledgeable in your craft. What allowed you to get through that time and I'm sure there were some hard days, but w- what was it like getting through that time from laying in the hospital bed to where you are at now, like mentally and emotionally to not just be in a woe is me mode? Like how, what, what kept you up and going? Well, I appreciate the words, Marcus. That's nice. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest. There were, I had a lot of woe is me days, you know, because what happened was I was 23 going to start my job, right? Hopefully in the next school year. And so I would have had health insurance and everything. I had a, I had a private policy, you know, a five question policy. This was before Obamacare. <laughs> and right. And, and so you didn't have those protections. So my insurance company sent me a letter two weeks after I got out of the hospital and said, basically I had lied on my application. So insurance comes back and, and essentially says, says, we're not paying. So I was, uh, you know, $104,000 in debt by the time everything kind of came through. And so it was a really rough from that standpoint, because not only had your health, but, you know, financially things were rough and, and, you know, what girl wants to date a guy with a defibrillator and, and a hundred thousand dollars in debt at 23. So I had some woe is me moments, you know, I definitely did. I think one of the biggest things that helped me was to write. Um, You know, I was always told I wasn't a good writer growing up. You know, I went to a lot of counseling and Dr. Katie, who I still go to today just because he's just yeah. a good guy. You know, he said, Nick, you know, why, why don't you get a notebook and just start writing your thoughts down? Write this stuff out. And I, at the time I said, you know, screw you. Like I'm paying you $300 an hour and you're going to tell me to write in a notebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Right. So. But eventually, you know, it's, it's, and that's changed my life. You know, it's been able to allow me to get over things because, you know, if I have to be honest with you, I still have regrets. I mean, when I talk to kids, I say, you know, you're going to have some level of regret. Even if you're successful, you're going to wish, oh, I would have done this better or I would have done this different or whatever. Right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I think about a lot. I think it certainly drives me to help kids now to be better. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, that, whole, that whole period of my life was um, – but it's maybe who I am. Like I said, I respect it. And that's a, a big part of your story that I, I think a lot of people didn't know, which would probably even add to the respect that people have for you. And so like you said, you started writing, which probably led you to what you're doing now. You're the founder and CEO of, of uh, Bomb Hoops. I follow you on Twitter. How did you get rolling into that? And I mean, I, you have a pretty large following. How did you get that going and get to a point where people respect what you're saying enough to be able to follow you and start taking your word about who's good in the state of Indiana? I don't know. I still don't know. I still don't know why people listen to, why do you guys listen to me? Right. But you know, coach Cruz and I didn't see eye to eye and I contributed to that. Trust me. Okay. I had a big hand in that, but we just didn't, we just didn't mesh. Yep. But coach Cruz is the smartest basketball guy in the world. I mean, the things that he would, would say and talk about, it was just brilliance, you know, it, 
post entries below the free throw line. Yeah. How many times do you see kids today that, that just don't get that and make turnover after turnover? It's, it's, it's geometry. Yeah. You know, it's angles. And so my job at Evansville then when I got hurt was, you know, you remember the purple notebooks? Yep. I still got I, mine. Somewhere I still too. Yeah. I know I got, I got, uh, somewhere in a move it's, I've, it's gotten misplaced and I, I really want to find those two, but I had two of them, two yeah. notebooks because, um, so my job, my, quick pause for everyone. Yeah. Me and him are talking about purple notebooks. Cause we know what we're talking about. So at Evansville, when you got there as a player, they gave you this notebook and you had to take notes. It was almost just like a, you took it everywhere you went to practice before and after practice on the road. So when we came in the locker room, we'd grab our notebooks and if he went over plays or if he had something he had to say, we would write all this stuff down. And eventually, man, you would have like a thick notebook over the years of all these notes and plays. And he taught you how to like diagram plays and, and stuff that a lot of people don't know how to do. So that's what the purple notebook is. It's a it's basically a history of everything that you learned there at Evansville. So anyway, I just wanted to let the people know what. what, what no, I, I appreciate that background because I, I, I did kind of glossed over that. So, um, but, you know, my job was to sit there on the sideline and write in the notebook. And if Coach Cruz said, you know, uh, Henry Domer can't comes off the screen and he goes left every time, whatever, I had to write that down. And then my job was, was after practice was over then to relay it to my teammates. Yep. So there was, there was a basketball education that was there. And I've always loved it. I mean, I've just been around basketball my whole, like, it's just been part of me for my whole life. And, and I don't think my, my family really doesn't understand why, why I love it so much. But, you know, once, once it's in your blood, man, I mean, it's in your blood. It's just who you are. And, um, so, you know, that's – I think your original question was how did this start? Yeah. yeah how, I mean, we're just chit-chatting, man. But yeah, yeah. How did you – Get into the game and what inspired you to start your own website and, and, and your Twitter page and start basically scouting for the state of Indiana? So, you know, I've been on Twitter uh, since 2014 doing the basketball thing, kind of covering the basketball thing. And at first it was it was about Indiana, IU Hoosiers, and, and, and it was just kind of a casual thing, really. You know, this was probably five years ago when – you know, I had known Mike Pegram from pigs.com uh, from when I was a player and I had written some essays watching Tom Crean. I think it was the second time they got beat by Syracuse with that, that zone. And he still didn't understand how to beat the zone. I think I started firing off some like essays to Mike Pegram. And then one day Mike Pegram just called me up and was like, Hey, all right. You know, Indiana plays tomorrow night. Give me a, give me a piece on following the game. And now suddenly I'm like, what? Like, I'm not a right. Like, what? Like, wow. So it was, it was, that was kind of a indoctrination by fire. And I mean, at, at first I was making all kinds of mistakes, you know, just being too, uh, this is the way, this is the way, you know, and you yeah. gotta, you just can't be like, you gotta come right. soft, softer. Right. So, you know, that really, really helped me. And then I was on Twitter. If you don't think you can get things from Twitter, listen, listen to this. So this guy who owned four websites, um, uh, contacted me on Twitter and was like, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about covering IU basketball, the, you know, the beat for, for the Hoosier, which was the Indiana rivals at the time. And so I ended up going to work for him. And, you know, like three days later, I was at the big 10 media day. Like it was, it was pretty surreal. And from that standpoint and um, had a really good time doing it, but 
I'll tell you this. This is how it really started. When I would go out and watch Blake Wesley, Trey Kaufman, or whatever, whatever recruit that Indiana was recruiting, I would see all these other kids and I would say, man, I really like this kid's game. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I really like this kid. But I couldn't write about it. I mean, nobody in, in, my, in my audience wanted to hear about, you know. But that's where my heart was. And so when the pandemic happened and things kind of went south, I got a phone call from the guy who, who owned the sites and was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm moving on and I'm getting rid of the site. And so the new guy that came in, he lowballed me on, on, you know, salary, took away my health insurance. And being how I am, I'm like, you know, get lost. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so now I'm sitting there going, you know, what am, what am I going to do? Um, and that's kind of when I kind of just threw, threw this little thing together that afternoon. I, I think I, the six different regions in the state, I had like six kids from each region and, and, you know, people liked it. And then I started hearing from a lot of parents like, Hey, my kid belongs on there. My kid belongs. And my, and then I just realized there's like, and then coaches started reaching out to me like, Hey, Nick, you know, see if you can't help out so-and-so he's being under-recruited. And, and so, you know, <laughs> and then there was no AAU season. And so that's kind of how it all kind of was born. And then, you know, I started looking around and, and there just really wasn't a list of kids that was like accessible. Like who, who are my college talent? Prep hoops was like a paywall kind of thing, but they didn't have like a, a full list. I mean, like I'm saying like a full list. That's how I wanted to do it. And so I started in on it and, you know, just started talking to a lot of people. And I've just, so many people have been so helpful to me as far as taking time to talk to me and to send me stuff and just kind of to talk our way through things. I've kind of been able to get a grasp on the kids. And so, um, my big thing is I like to try to get eyes on, on everybody. I just, I wanted to help kids. That was, that was my biggest motivation. I wanted to help coaches. I wanted to help kids and coaches get the right situation, you know, the right matchup because I didn't, I didn't have the right matchup. Um, like I said, it was an emotional decision in my life and I should have thought more with my head. You know, when you make this college decision, people say, Oh, well, go with your heart, go with your, go with your head. Yeah. You know, heart is so emotional. And in the courting process, people are going to say things that they don't follow up on. Yeah, I can tell you that for sure. I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it. And uh, so, use your head. Use your head when you're making a college choice. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we close up, I do want to allow you to kind of speak on that a little bit. You have played at the D1 level. You've scouted, been through ups and downs injuries. I mean, there's not a whole lot that a college basketball player can go through that you didn't go through. And so with that said, so if there's parents who follow you or kids or whatever that follow you, what, what would be your advice in terms of the recruiting process and things that they need to look out for? So this is going to be a, a wide ranging question. I think first is if I want a scout to notice me, what should I do? Do I need to be like a plus at one thing? like a, just a great shooter and I can be average at other things. And then second of all, once you cover that, then how do I get to college? What are some things that you would recommend and how do I get my tape out to be seen? How do I select a college and things to look out for in that? So if you could kind of touch on yeah. those couple of things, I think people would like to hear it. Yeah, no. And I actually, I have a, a recruiting round table that I'm going to host on January 3rd. And you can go to my website at bombhoops.com to register. That's $5. I don't, I don't want it to be something like astronomical amount, but at the same time, I didn't want you to sign up and then blow it off. Yeah. 
But um, so without yes. giving away, because I don't want to, I don't want no, people to get their money worth today without signing up on, on that day. So, in a nutshell, how would you get ranked in your top ten? And then after that, what would you suggest for kids on how to get to college and what to look out for in that recruitment process? No, no, no. I, I, I I'm going to share anything with you. You are one of my good buddies. But you know, just to help kids, if you're out there and you're really kind of lost in this whole thing, if you show up to the round table on Sunday, it just kind of gets our relationship going. Yeah. And you know, I call on for a lot of kids. I talk to a lot of coaches, and I guess to, to to be noticed, to get noticed. There's 25 different areas that I've identified that that when I go to evaluate a kid that I look at because. I think that you being able to shoot the basketball, um, I think whether you're going to work at it in college um, is as important as you being able to, to shoot the basketball well right now. You know, it, your work ethic, your character, your habits, you know, that those are the things to me that matter the most. There's different levels to this, but the one constant that's in every, every single successful recruit or prospect is uh, every college player is, is character habits, work ethic, you know, coachability, being able to take criticism because you will get criticism at the next level. I mean, these are guys who are, are that's their job. Their job is a coach to win basketball games, to pay for their daughter's, education or pay for their kids food or, or whatever the house. And, and so this is a, this is, this is real, like yeah. this is real world. And so to me, more than anything to stand out first, you have to, you have to be good in those areas because I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend a kid who, who doesn't want to work right when we came along. And I just have so much respect for you because we didn't have shooting guns and, and yeah. You had to chase your own ball down. Now it's easy. I mean, now it should be should be easier. So you know you've got to love the game and fall fall in love with the game that way. And I think on the floor, um, so much gets made of points and scoring and this and that. And yeah, sure, that's the way you win basketball games. Just playing hard. Like uh, it sounds like old man yelling at the clouds. Okay, but I just don't see kids just like getting down. You know, just getting in somebody defensively. Yeah. What I would suggest is writing a hand, handwritten letter uh, to the coaches, just a short little, you know, and, and try to start the relationship that way. It's really easy to send an email. Yeah. It's hard. It's harder to send something, you know, to write something out and to go to the post office and get the stamp and stuff like that. So, you know, that's just kind of a, a little way that you can kind of, you know, to get somebody's attention. There are some things, right, that you can control. You can control your ball handling. You know, you can work on it 30 minutes a day, 40 minutes a day, an hour, whatever. But you can't always control how tall you are or how long you are, um, how high you can jump, you know, because these things really matter. I know that sounds simple. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The two things that you said that I, I agree with everything, but being coachable, man, I watch kids' body language. And so for people who don't know anything about me, I played – in Evansville, played professionally, coached at college basketball. So I, I, I kind of – One of the MVC's 50 greatest players. So I kind of I have mean, a decent feel of the game, right? And so one of the things yeah. that I, I look at is when the kid comes to the huddle or when the coach is coaching him or yelling at him, 
How is his body language? How is he responding? I can tell you right now, parents, if you don't allow your kid to get coached right now, they're going to have a hard time when they get a real job. Because unless they're the CEO of their business, which not everyone is, you're going to have someone above you telling you what they think you should do better. And if you can't get that right now, that's what I love about sports. It teaches you that. And then second of all, playing hard. I couldn't agree more. It's just like now that kids are on social media and YouTube's out there, it's almost like everybody wants to be so cool. You want to look cool more than you want to look good. If I see a kid, like you said, getting down and dirty, diving on the floor for a loose ball, making ugly faces, running after the ball because they're just competing that hard. Like, I love that kid. I can find a spot on my team for a kid like that, even if he's not a starter. Whenever my team is struggling, knowing that I have guys like that on my bench that can come in and infuse energy and they can get everybody else playing hard and get us back going. He may be a starter, may not, but every college coach needs a couple players like that. And so just being coachable and playing hard can get you further than what people realize. So I I couldn't agree with you more on those things. Energy is a great thing in college sports. I mean, there's some, some dog days of college basketball season, right? You know, and you need those guys, those energy guys. So more than anything, I guess, you know, to me, it's not what you do on the floor. But like you said, I can gain more out of watching a good player bomb than I can about watching their career night because, you know, we, yeah. you're watching them. You, you probably know that they're capable of something like that. What you don't know is how are they going to react to adversity? It's like the old Mike Tyson, man. Everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And yep. So once you get hit in the mouth, how are you going to respond? And sometimes you see kids put their head down. Sometimes you see kids cheering. And, and, and when a kid is having an off night and he's still being a leader, yeah, that's the other thing. Talk, yeah. communicate, look like you're making other people around you. Are you trying to make other people around you better? You know, that stands out. But, but you said bro, body language is great, yeah. you know. So before we close up, let everyone know when is the roundtable again and how can they access that? Yeah, it's January 3rd, uh, and that's you can register at bombhoops.com. And essentially what – and I have, I'll share this with – if you are the parent of a, a senior in high school, right, and they have aspirations of going off to college to play college basketball, at this point we're almost to January, you know, what's your anxiety level like right now? It, it should be a one or a two. And people will look at me and say, what? Like Johnny's – He's got two months of, of season left, and he's got really no, no, nothing going. There are options. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that on, at the rec- recruiting roundtable. I mean, I think one thing that I, I love are the post-grad. Um, taking a post-grad year gives you an opportunity, you know, if, you're, if you don't have things going on. Not all, all of us develop at 18. Yep. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. And if you're a junior, the parent of a junior – relax like you got a big eight months ahead of you yep. we'll talk a little bit about that so you know there's different things uh at the naia level your grades are, are a huge whether you know a program will take you if, if you have a three six or a higher you don't count against their scholarship limits there's there's all kinds of little things in there that if, if they were anything like my parents and and they just weren't sports people people are going to tell you Coaches are going to tell you a lot of things in this and not all of it's going to be true. And, you know, so knowledge is power, my, my friend. Yep. Yep. Well, it's been great talking to you one last time. 
how can people follow you, get your information, give them your website and your Twitter handle or any other social media platforms where you disseminate your information? Yeah, the website's bombhoops.com, B-A-U-M hoops.com. Nick Baumgart, so at Nick underscore Baumgart, B-A-U-M-G-A-R-T. And um, just really appreciate you, Marcus. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on. Anybody out there that is listening to this, I recommend, especially if you're in high school and you're trying to navigate that process, go check them out on Sunday. Follow them. Get a lot of good information, especially if you're in the state of Indiana. Uh, but overall, it's just a, a good site and a good uh, Twitter handle to follow. Nick, thank you so much again. I appreciate you, buddy, and best of luck to you in the future and everything that you're doing. Hey, I told you many a time what you mean to me. You're uh, um you're a good role model for me, Marcus. So anyway. Well, I'm like Charles Barkley. I'm not sure if I'm a role model, but I do appreciate our friendship, my man. And uh, I love what you're doing and I love your journey. So keep it up and we'll talk soon. Okay. See you, bud. All right. Peace. Peace. Thanks again, Nick, for coming on. You have an awesome story. I'm rooting for you. Appreciate you, buddy. Good luck in everything you're doing moving forward. That about wraps it up for what we're doing here on the details of life today. We're going to continue to bring on great people who have great stories and give you the details of what it takes to be successful. Cause you know what? That's right. Greatness is in the details guys. Continue to like, subscribe and share. We'll be here every Tuesday, every Tuesday, spread the word, let your friends know. Hope you're enjoying the holidays as we close out 2020. Looking forward to seeing you in 2021. All right. Peace.